Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on the Twitters at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on the Twitters at Scavendish. If you like this show, rate, review, subscribe. Smash that subscribe button. Tell one, two, three, five, twin, 20, 50, 100 people. Shout it from the mountaintops, folks. Tell them you, that you want them to listen to Lamestream Sports. Jared Stillman is our guest on the show today, and he will admit, sort of, that he was wrong. So that will that will come up later on in the show. We'll talk nice a little tease. bit about. We'll talk a little bit about. Um, well, it's it's as it's as much as Jared Stillman can admit that he's wrong. Like that's as far as he can go. And we got him to go there though, so he, he did admit it. But he's also he's a fascinating dude. He's outstanding at what he does in his line of work, and we'll we'll let him explain a lot of that. So we'll get to a lot of that. We'll talk college football ratings. We got the ratings for New Year's Eve. So we'll talk a little bit about that as compared to some of the other games in college football throughout the course of the regular season. We actually have hour by hour numbers in Nashville of the number of people of you guys out there that were watching the Georgia Michigan game as we headed off into the new year. So we'll we'll dive into that a little bit as well. Wait. Which which should tell us exactly how many Georgia graduates are in uh, in town <laughs> by that last number. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> there's about seventy thousand of you. <laughs> that was about what happened. Uh, so we'll get into some of those ratings a little bit later on. Um, before we do, however, Steve Cavendish, Lamestream Sports is in fact brought to you by Jaspers. It's always brought to you by Jaspers. Jaspers has great parking. I don't know if you want to be driving around exactly at this moment if you're listening on Friday morning. But Jasper's is a great place to go. Just drive safe, drive safely, easy on the brake, easy on the gas. You know, it's not that complicated. Uh, but go to Jasper's, free parking, great menu, great food, all that great stuff. It'll go thaw out, but it'll thaw out by Saturday, people. Then yes. you can go to Jasper's. And definitely by Monday night, if you want to watch the national championship there, they'll have, I'm assuming they will have fantastic drink specials as well. By the way, if you would like to have a full in-depth preview of the national championship game please, by all means, check out Fringe Element either on your podcast app or on the YouTube page. Go check that out. Uh, all right. So, uh, Jared Stillman, real quickly here, before we get to, to, to Jared, I want to sort of try to explain radio ratings to people. There are a thousand meters measuring radio listenership across the city of Nashville. That, that number probably should be two, three, four times that size because Nashville has grown so much since those meters were sort of installed in the city through a through a company that, that measures ratings. And you have to have somebody with one of those meters that measures the frequencies all around it so it knows what you're listening to, knows what channel all your radios are on, um, these people that have these meters. And you have to listen for five full minutes after the start of a quarter hour. And if you turn it off at four minutes and 45 seconds, that person doing the radio show does not get credit for a rating point. And that could be the difference in charging $10,000 for advertising versus $20,000 for advertising. Or, and again, I'm just making those numbers up here, but it, it is. Yeah, yeah, take a zero off those, but uh, yeah. Exa exactly. It is an insanely inexact science that drives the entire industry and, and tries to define success or failure of radio hosts, of companies, of ad sales, advertisement in general. It is completely inexact. It is completely antiquated. And it doesn't mean that it's not a broad look at how popular a show might be over time, but it's really, really tough. And Jared's job is to try to attack that, that piece of the meter, right? Like his job is to try to keep that five minutes and win the quarter hour, as we say in radio. Measuring media is hard anyway. I mean, you can pick virtual, you, you can pick anything from on the digital side, looking at web views and, and, and page, page, page views and things like that to 
television and the kind of the classic Nielsen model, which is being blown up right now because the networks are really unhappy with what they what they think is a, is imprecision in those numbers. It's very very hard to do, you know, Arbitron and then Nielsen and, and then it graduated I guess to Nielsen on the radio side is just another example of this. I mean, for years people filled out paper books, oh, God. Uh, a diary. <laughs> to, to, yeah, a, a diary for for both television and radio listening to to help people set ad rates, and that's insane. When, when you when you hear Jared execute radio, and he's going to explain a lot of this, and I think he does a better job of executing the science of radio than almost anyone I've ever been around in any sort of subject matter, any place I've worked. When you hear how he does the show, you may not agree with his opinions, you may not agree with his take or 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 whatever. But there is no arguing how he's doing it. And how he's doing it is to try to attract a rating point to win five, five straight minutes in a quarter hour on, for one guy that's walking around with a little thing on his belt that picks up frequencies. When it, 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 should it, be, it, when it should be five times as many, and it should be measured far more you know, intricately than that. So I just wanted to explain that that's we, why, why, how he executes his business. We, we talk a lot on the show about how process and kind of hidden factors drive content. And that's a hundred percent true in radio. Absolutely, absolutely, it drives the it drives the format in in ways that that are kind of perverse for what what I would argue are you know we we get into this a little bit you know kind of kind of a broader spectrum of content yeah. on sports radio. So, just wanted to give you guys a sense of how like twisted and bizarro the rating system is for radio and and TV and a lot of other places. And uh, but but Jared's fantastic. He is outstanding at what he does. Uh, 102.5 is seeing better ratings than they've seen in a while. Um, 104's ratings are, are are down, and so it's it's very interesting to see um, how those two stations are competing, both digitally. He's going to talk a lot about that. Talk a lot about the evolution with Caroline Fenton coming on board, and um, we'll talk a lot about his his personal life, his insecurities in life, um, a lot of stuff that that you probably don't hear from him on his show very often, and um, you know how he how he grew up in the business. So. Without any more from us, here was our conversation with 1025's Jared Stillman. Jared, great to see you, man. Welcome to the show. We do appreciate you giving so much of your time to us today. How are you, sir? I'm great. I saw Caroline Fenton had the second highest listened to show. So then I was like, I need to go back on the show because what are we doing here? <laughs> We expect lots of promotion out of you on this. Oh Ma yes, many people are saying. Many people are saying that she had many are number, saying that she had the number two rated show. Um, we we did talk to you uh, obviously uh, about Floyd, and we we've always wanted to talk to you about radio, and we had to bring you back. We told you we'd bring you back, so we're we're making sure we fulfill our promise to you because I can't think of anybody better to sort of explain the science of radio to people. We'll dive into a little bit more about your career and sort of your background and all that stuff too. But I wanted to start right from the beginning with sort of how does Jared Stillman define sort of the, the, the syllabus, the, the bullet points that, that are the philosophy of radio, the science of radio. Give me like the big sort of, you know, subject lines on what the science of radio is in your mind. So I think there's, you know, with anything in life, I think there's a lot of different, you know, subsets of kind of theories or whatever. But to me, I, I look at radio and if someone were to say what you just asked me, I, I would say this, you've got to put together compelling, entertaining audio for somebody and you've got to know what they like. So I, I've always thought like, for example, the Paul Feinbaum show, 
use this. That's not how I would do radio of just sitting there and taking calls from crazy people from the South, but that's what works for that audience. And they are entertained by that. So I've always thought like one of the biggest misconceptions in radio is it's really not about you. It's about the listener and it's what the listener wants to be entertained while they are in the car for however long they are in the car. So it doesn't matter if you've got a four hour show, your show is only as long as the person who is listening to it listens. So I I look at it like that, whatever it is to entertain that person in the car. So they keep coming back. That is radio. So, so take me deeper into the, the tactics then. Um, because I've been, I've been in a lot of like strategy meetings and teachings from a lot of different people from a lot of different companies. I know you have as well, you know, that's sort of like the Vrabel Robinson philosophy, right? You just told us now get us down to like Todd Downing and Shane Bowen sort of tactical strategies of radio. What does that mean for you and for your audience here in Nashville? So the first thing you have to do is figure out what your audience wants to talk about. And I think a lot of people sometimes think like, oh, I want to talk about this today because you think that you care about it. But it doesn't matter if the audience doesn't care about it. Vanderbilt had a last second win last night against Arkansas. I thought it was a really exciting game. I watched it. Guess what? Nobody in Nashville cares. Like maybe 3,000 people watched that yesterday. Nobody cares. Derrick Henry returning for the Titans playoff run, people care. So I always think like that's the number one thing you have to figure out. I think like we've hired a lot of radio hosts in Nashville lately that don't really understand this because they're not really radio people or they haven't been trained for radio. So they just get on there and they just interview guests about UT recruiting or, you know, Vanderbilt or whatever. And that's not what people care about. So you have to start with what people care about. The Titans game on Sunday did a 29 and a half rating. That is a massive number in Nashville. The Music City Bowl by comparison, which was an entertaining game involving a semi-local team, didn't even do half that. So that tells you that the people in Nashville want to talk about the Titans. So to me, as a radio host, you then have to say, okay, how can I do this for four hours? So it doesn't sound like I'm recycling the same garbage over and over again by talking and talking and talking about the same thing, but drive the discussion for four hours because the person in the car at 436 is not the person who is in the car at 215. And that's how you get judged in this industry. So it's called playing the hit. It's like if you were a top 40 radio station, the number one hit, you want to play it over and over and over and over again. So for example, I've already got today's show pretty much mapped out, but we're starting on the Titans and then we go to the Titans and then Chris Sanders, former Titans receiver, will join us to talk about the Titans. And then we'll talk a little bit more about the Titans. And I think that's pretty much the show today. There's one segment in there about the Predators because they're in first place right now and people do care about that. But it, and you're the flagship station of the National Predators. Sure. I mean, like, and yet at the same time, like, the thing that I feel pretty good about is when the Predators are the hot story in town, which does happen, like, that's all we talk about then. And so th- this idea of feeling like you're a newspaper, which I think is an antiquated radio idea of, well, I haven't talked about this yet. Well, people don't want you to talk about that. They want you to talk about the big story. And that's kind of how I approach it. Do you have do you have three hour, four hour listeners or do you only have people who are coming in and out for short stretches of time? So I have both. And it's amazing because you'll look at the text line and you'll see somebody text in at two o'clock and then they also text in at four thirty and then they text in at five forty. And it's like, whoa. 
Like, has this person just been sitting there listening to the radio show? But I don't think it's like everybody who listens to our show is one way or another. I mean, we're podcasted, so we have people that listen to that. We're streaming on YouTube every day, so we have people that are watching that. We stream on Twitter. Like, there's so many different ways to listen to the radio show, either in live time or on some sort of a delay, some sort of on-demand content. So I think you have to take all those things into account when you're, you're doing your radio show. And I certainly do that. I mean, I, I ultimately play towards the idea that the average person in Nashville spent, I think, 26 minutes on their commute in like 2010. And now I think the average time in a Nashville commute is like 48 and a half minutes. And I think a lot of commutes are probably longer than that. So I think that my average listener is probably about an hour. So I, I try to operate like that. I try not to do, well, we've already talked about the Titans today, so let's talk about something else. Well, that person that didn't listen for you know, that hour, here's you talking about something that they don't care about, and they're going to check out. And I, I take that pretty seriously. So to answer your question in, in a kind of roundabout way, Steve, you have to play to both of them. And it's not easy, but as long as you're trying to keep things fresh and discussions rolling... I think, you know, the cadence of things people usually pick up on. Isn't it, isn't it incredibly reductive, though, to take things down to only the top of mind topic? I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, you're exactly right about that Titans rating and how it reflects about interest in the Titans versus versus Tennessee. But to to only to only reduce down to that, doesn't that doesn't that isn't an inherently limiting about the topics that that are available to you i mean should shouldn't shouldn't you as shouldn't you as a uh, as a broadcaster be able to broaden your audience uh more than just i'm just here for the thing so i totally hear what you're saying i and i do think about that a lot for example in a and i don't even know i'm allowed to talk about you know ratings exactly but in the latest ratings period, the Titans lost two games and had a bye week. And so for that, it becomes more difficult when you are a show that focuses primarily on the Titans. You know, when the Titans win games, that's good. When the Preds win games, that's good. But if they're not the number one story or they're the number one story, but not as important, they have a bye week, you know, that probably does make it a little bit more difficult. Whereas our morning show, which I think is a pretty good show, I think it's, you know, those guys probably talk a little bit more broad topics. They still, you know, talk about the Titans a lot and talk about the Predators a lot, but they probably are a little bit more broad than me. And that probably plays more to their strength in that period than it would for me. I, I just look at it like the way that local talk radio has gone is instead of the way it used to probably be, which you use the term broaden your audience, in the 90s, early 2000s, you probably could broaden your audience. You probably could say, okay, we want to talk about Vandy basketball right now because we want you to care more about Vandy basketball. The problem is with on-demand listening, there's so much out there that people are going to find whatever they care about. So I look at my job and I think that at 3.30 in the afternoon, I'm the only person probably in the country that is having an in-depth conversation about the Titans and that is really driving that topic. And so that allows anybody in the world at 3.30 in the afternoon, unless you live in like North Korea, that allows anybody to sit there and just pull up this show and hear that. 
So I, I would I would totally agree with what you're saying. I look at Nashville like this. The Titans are the number one topic. The Predators, when they're good, are in there. The SEC is probably the number two topic. The SEC as a whole. So a Nick Saban story or a story that involves multiple schools, a coach getting hired, things like that. The Vols probably fall in underneath that. And, and then it's kind of everything, like the NFL and then everything else. So, for example, today, Hub Arkish of Pro Football Weekly came out and said he won't vote for Aaron Rodgers for the MVP because he's a bad guy. That's something we can talk about here in Nashville and people will care about. But as far as, like, talking about Lipscomb basketball, I'm not doing that because there's just not enough people in the town that care about it, even if, say, Lipscomb basketball were important to me. The Belmont grand in me appreciates that. <laughs> yeah. You, you talked about sort of the morning show and, and being having to sort of be a little bit more sort of loose and free flowing and personality and sort of broaden yeah. topics. Cause I think, I think that's just, you know, people don't want to be punched in the face, you know, at six 30 in the morning. I just think that's a, a time slot kind of deal. Uh, but each of us in radio, every single person that's ever done it sort of has to, we we're all taught the same things about setting up audio, play the hits, drive the top, you know, topic trees, all this stuff that that you've been taught, that I've been taught, that everybody's been taught. Um, but each person still has to sort of figure out their own way to do that and to execute that. And I've worked a ton with you. You and I have very different styles. How did you settle on sort of the, the way you want to deliver topics, the way you want to set up topics? Um, you are not exactly. Um, how shall I put this um, light light on the topics? What's the right way to say this, Jared? Like, how would you describe your philosophy on sort of attacking an issue, creating debate about it? Like, how did you settle on that for you? Okay, so I'll, I'll use an analogy here. If you have the best blackberry pie in town, right? Like you made the best blackberry pie. Well, unless you just thought of the idea of looking at blackberries in the backyard and said, I'm going to pick these and I'm going to make a pie crust and then make a blackberry pie. Chances are you probably had a recipe from somebody else. And that's kind of how I've approached kind of the way that I've worked here. I would say there are two really strong influences in my career. One of them is Colin Cowherd, who I used to listen to in high school and then listen to in college. And even though I don't like the current Colin Cowherd as much as I like the ESPN angry Colin Cowherd, I still listen to Colin Cowherd today. Today's show, the Stillman and Company program, probably has a little bit more Colin Cowherd to it than the Jared and the GM program. The second influence that I really took away from was Michael Felger in Boston, the host of the Felger and Maz show, which is the highest rated show of a local show in America. I, I think it's the best show in America. I, used to, I got my start in radio in New Hampshire, and they would be simulcast on the same channel as the Celtics. So that's how I got into them. And I still listen to Felger and Maz, even though I don't care about the Patriots or the Red Sox or the Bruins or whatever. And that was kind of more what the Jared and the GM show was going to be. But like with any recipe, you get the recipe, but then after you make enough blackberry pies, then you start to kind of do it your own way. And that's kind of how the Jared and the GM program really evolved was I wanted us to be like the Felger and Maz program in Boston, which is very strong, hard hitting opinions, you know, Brady stinks, Belichick stinks, all that kind of stuff. And I took that and wanted, you know, us to kind of emulate that. Well, the difference is, is that show has two kind of provocateurs and the Jared, the GM program had one provocateur and one expert. So after like a little bit, I realized it's not going to be the same show because it's not two guys 
that are just constantly stirring the pot. But instead, it's more so like the provocateur and kind of the wise guru. And that kind of took on a life of its own. And we almost became like this odd couple. And so I used to like look at things like, okay, how's Floyd going to react to this topic? And then we just drove the discussion. And it was like two dudes just sitting there talking, two very different dudes. But I think two dudes that really got along and really respected one another, you know, each other for what they did. And, um, you know, that was very authentic. You know, flash forward to last year, or I guess flash back to last year, and Floyd steps away from the radio show, doesn't tell anybody, and doesn't tell anybody why. So I'm kind of stuck there by myself, and it becomes more of a monologue show. And when we were looking to add to the show, we had discussed it, like, what do we want this show to be? And I said, let's make it more of like a 1A, or kind of like a 1 and a 2, as opposed to 1A and 1B. And that's what we did when we went out and found Caroline. So there's more of like a Colin Cowherd monolistic style to it that is still driving discussions, driving topics, but it's very different. Like it's like a different genre in a movie. And, um, and I think some people probably have a hard time understanding that because you just think radio's radio. You think it's just, here's the microphone, turn it on. All right, what are your thoughts? Go. But it's not really that simple. So I, I would say that I am a provocateur, but yet pretty much everything that I would say is what I believe. And maybe I'm just naturally, you know, opinionated or... Uh, you know, strong-willed or whatever you want to call it. But that, I think, has really led itself to be the driving force behind my career. How much does market play into that? Because, like, for instance, you know, you're talking about a Boston market, which is a very mature market in terms of sports radio listeners. Uh, It's a lot deeper market. Uh, And, you know, some markets like Boston, New York, Philly, a, a lot harder markets. Uh, in terms of what people are willing to listen to, like for instance, uh, the, the, you're talking about like uh, like a Titans, like after a Titans loss, sure. and you know that you can't just you, you can't just pound that for four hours. Uh, versus, you, like you go to Philly, uh, and, and I've listened to some of it, and and it's just, I mean, there's 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 not only a, there's not only an autopsy, there's there's a there's a a, a you know, an exhumation of the autopsy and, and they'll just dive deeper and deeper and deeper into the loss and kind of wallow in the loss. You can call it necrophilia if you want to. So, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would say it like this. Nashville is a nicer city than the northeastern towns and midwestern towns that are as passionate about sports as anything else. You know, Nashville is a nicer town, you know, like the, the fans and I get it. Like, they don't want to hear four hours of banging on Ryan Tannehill after a loss. I, I feel like I'm the only show host in town that just constantly bangs on Tannehill when he doesn't play well. And I think that probably is a reflection of the city. You're right. It's not Boston. When I was up in New Hampshire and I first started listening to the Felger and Maz show, the Patriots lost in the AFC title game to the Ravens. And people were calling in and they were like, it's time to move on from Belichick. It's time to move on from Brady. It's time to make Ryan Mallett the quarterback. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, my team has Mike Munchak as the coach and Jake Locker as the quarterback. And these people are complaining about Brady and Belichick. And it was like, what is going <laughs> on here? I will say this though. I think, you know, Twitter is different than the radio. And sometimes I think like we get this false sense of belief that people want Homer talk. And I've lived in places where people want Homer talk. And I don't think they want Homer talk in Nashville. 
You know, I, I mean, I'll just be, be blunt. I, you know, there's a radio station in town that dominated for years and years and years. And you know, 104.5 was the gold standard when I was in middle school and high school. And they've fully endorsed going all in on being pretty Homer. You know, there's a lot of Homer talk there. And you look at kind of what's happened over the last couple of years, especially since Clay Travis left and now the Midday 180 left. And everything about that station is just down, 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 down. I've been as trying to tell the truth as I can as possible since the day I got here. That was one of the deals I made with the radio station when I took the job. I was the one in 2017 who said the Predators flagship station couldn't beat the Chicago Blackhawks. I was like, nope, they're not going to beat the Blackhawks. This series is over. Don't worry about it. Now, obviously, they ended up sweeping the Blackhawks, and I had a giant egg all over my face. But I've noticed the success that we've had by keeping it real. I haven't had a head coach or general manager outside of having John Robinson on for the Floyd Reese tribute special we did. I haven't had a coach or general manager uh, on in like two years. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect how people listen to the show. So I think to your point, Steve, like, yes, it's a nicer town than the Northeast where, you know, Philadelphia fans will literally cry for eight hours at a time. But I, I do think the people here want to tell the truth. Like, I do think they want to hear the truth on the radio. And I was nervous about that at first, you know, was Nashville too nice? Was everything like, oh, I know we lost, but it'll be fine. But no, I mean, it's like, hey, they need to start doing better. And you get some pushback, but I think you probably get pushback no matter where you are. And I certainly get my fair share of pushback, but I, I would say, I think the fans here want to hear the truth. And I think the, you know, the, the current radio situation probably bears that out. Is there any residual sort of impact on the show for being negative? Uh, so the Blackhawks, the, the Blackhawks thing is a, is a really, really good example. How sure. many, how many times do you get hung with that as saying, well, you're that idiot who thought that, who thought that the Blackhawks was going to be, we're going to beat the Predators and they swept them out. Or maybe there's oh. not, or maybe there's not enough leadership in the locker room, perhaps. That, that never matters. I, I hope people understand this. That never matters. When I was in Louisville, so this was like my first full year, second year on the radio, I said something like that Ole Miss was the best team in the country. And Ole Miss that Saturday, and I hammered that in. Ole Miss is the best team in the country. And that Saturday night, Ole Miss lost at LSU. And somebody emailed me as soon as the game was over and was like, you idiot. And I remember sitting there like, kind of like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to face the music on this after I talked about this for so much, so long. So, and then the more you do that, the more you realize like everybody has opinions and these opinions aren't always going to be right. My opinions are not always right. They're right a lot of the time. I mean, it's, like I, you know, I picked the Titans to lose to the Jets just because I know the Titans well enough and I know they lost that. I picked them to lose to the Steelers. I picked them to be the 49. Like, but you know they're gonna be wrong opinions. I, I thought that David Poyle was absolutely off his rocker when he decided to keep Tanner Janot over Callie Yarncroke. I thought Tanner Janot was some nobody from the minor <laughs> leagues, and Tanner Janot might honestly end up being the rookie of the year this year. So, like I, I always try to kind of, you know say like, look, you're going to be wrong in this industry and you're going to be wrong in, in discussing what you think about general managers are wrong. Coaches are wrong. I, I just, I think it's more of like an acclamation of, do you know what you're talking about? And you asked a question too, about being, you know, the residual effects of telling the truth or one thing I do think that resonates a lot. And I think it was definitely the truth when it was the Jared and the GM program was like, you knew that we love the Titans. 
You know, I mean, Floyd was obviously a Titan through and through. He's in the Titans Hall of Fame. But he, you knew that, like, we loved the Titans. I think my audience knows. I will bang on Vrabel if I think he makes a bad decision. I will bang on Robinson for some of these draft picks. I think Robinson's a great general manager, but I will bang on him for some of these draft picks. I will bang on Tannehill for some bad decisions. Like, I will tell how it is. But I think the audience knows, just like they are, I love the Titans. It's not like some out-of-town guy that's coming in here telling you your team sucks. It's a guy who, when he was 10 years old at the Super Bowl, cried when they were one yard short. And then the next year cried in the season tickets, you know, his parents' season tickets when Ray Lewis took the ball into the end zone. So, like, I, they know that I feel their pain. And while I don't want to be like a pom-pom waver on the radio, I do think that being authentic is important when you're doing it for four hours a day. And I think these people know, like, I love the Titans. I love the Predators. And I think that's a big deal to if you're going to be critical of, the, of their favorite team. I, I want to get into sort of the authenticity of, of who you are, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about who you are because of how you are on the radio. And, and to quote Colin Cowherd, somebody that I know you care deeply about, um, it, he said, you don't you don't tune in on Monday to, to see whether or not I'm right or wrong. You know, you tune into the show because I picked the right topics. Like, it's not about picking games right. It's about picking the right topics. And that that's to your point about the Titans and the Preds and picking the right story. But how you go through that is different for everybody. Like, again, you and I are very different. I'm, I am sort of mosey through topics. I'm more conversational. I'm more, uh, you know, sort of like, let's let the opinion evolve in real time. And I don't know if that is the, the true to the science of radio as much. How much of that part of your broadcasting style, which is, like you said, provocateur, setting up a debate, encouraging discussion. This guy sucks, banging on Vrabel, banging on Tannehill. H how much of that is how you walk around in your real life? And how much of that is, this is what I know needs to be done on the air because I know it's going to, uh, this is how you physically draw ratings in radio. So I think that that is kind of a, like a very loaded question, but I would say this, like, I mean, people will always say sometimes they're like, oh, we should watch a Titans game together. And I'm like, I'm not sure you want to do that <laughs> because I, I get like a, you know, kind of, we'll have like events, right? Like, you know, Preds watch party, you know, it's such and such come on out for game three of the Western conference playoffs. And they're like, are you going to stay? I'm like, no, I'm not going to stay because there's all these people in public and I'm going to be losing my mind if things don't go well. And, you know, that's so I, I think there's a lot of authenticity there. I mean, the, the Tannehill thing, like, I, it's totally real. I mean, I loved Tannehill when he came in as the quarterback and I was listening to an old Jared and the GM podcast and Tannehill beat the Buccaneers in his second start. And I was like, all I know is he's putting them in a better position and the numbers might not be very good. And, you know, the callers were like, oh, he's not that good. He says he's that whatever. And now, like, I watched Tannehill play this season. It's a complete regression, and it's, it's driving me crazy because I think this team can win the Super Bowl if they get adequate quarterback play. And that's what I'm thinking about is the Super Bowl. I want them to win the Super Bowl. My goodness, my dad's 70 years old. Like, can they win one for him? Um, so I, I think, well, like, let, let, me, let, let me be very clear, by the way. I did not mean I, – I think you are the same person on the air and off the air. I was not trying to sort of lead no. you down a certain path because you and I will sit in a press box and – talk the same way we would talk on the air. I, I am amazed at your commitment to the science of the execution, if that, if that makes sense. Sure. I, I think the way that I would say it is if you were writing a soap opera on a daily basis, what would you build it around? And the answer is you'd build it around the stars. And so when it comes to radio topics and picking what to talk about, like Derek Henry 
is something that if I could talk about Derrick Henry every day, I would talk about Derrick Henry every day. If Derrick Henry does something, like I don't listen to the Bustin' with the Boys podcast. I don't have anything against it, but it's just really not my cup of tea. Like I'm not, you know, like the Twitter bro kind of guy. And so it's not really for me. But when they have Derrick Henry on Bustin' with the Boys, I have to listen to that one episode every year because Derrick Henry will say more in February of the offseason on Bustin' with the Boys than he will say ever the entire year. So it's like, okay, now here's all this Derrick Henry stuff to talk about. And I'll give you an example. A couple of years ago, uh, Taylor Lewan asked Derrick Henry on Bustin' with the Boys about all the Tom Brady talk. And Derrick Henry was like, is Ryan Tannehill not good enough? Like, well, like why not Ryan? I mean, Ryan did. And like, now you've got Derrick Henry, the star player, talking about the greatest player of all time and the starting quarterback of your team that's a free agent. That's a four-hour radio show. John Robinson got up at the Combine and he was asked about the two players, uh, Henry and Tannehill. And I forget which one he was super committed to. I think it was Derrick. And which one he was like, we'll see about. I think it was Tannehill. And he said that at like 11.35. And we ran with it at two o'clock and we were on that for the whole time. And Floyd said, and this shows you how wise Floyd was, he, he heard what Robinson said. He goes, I'll tell you what that means. He's going to sign one of them and he's going to tag the other. And I was like, what? He's like, yep, that's what that means. And we just talked about it and you know, dissected every word because the stars, you know, Vrabel, Tannehill, uh, Henry, Julio Jones. Julio Jones hasn't done jack shit for the Titans this year. But you start talking about him, and all of a sudden, it's like everybody wants to get in on the Julio Jones discussion. So it, to me, it's about the stars, and it's about you know the, the main you know, characters in the soap opera because that's what people want to talk about. So that's what you build it around. Nobody, and Chris Jackson's had a great season as a defensive back. Nobody is tuning in the radio to hear talk about Chris Jackson. What what do you want people to know about Jared Stillman that they that that, that might be a misconception about the air versus the the person out off the air just walking around? What do you want people to know about you? Uh, that's a really good question. I think the first thing is I want people to know how seriously I take their time. So when it comes to kind of them in the car listening, drive home, like I, I know you worked really hard, and I don't know what your job is but I'm sure there's a lot of things about your job that you don't like and that stress you out and that make you uncomfortable and you're driving home from work and I just want to entertain you, but I understand your time is valuable. So if you think I'm rude to a caller or, you know, whatever, like just know that that's because I I'm focused on your time and entertaining you and making sure that the product is good for you. Even if you don't pay anything to the radio station, I think the thing that I want people to know about me, the guy, is that I, I really hammer on other people on the radio, but I am incredibly aware of my own flaws and insecurities. Like, I don't think I'm a perfect person who sits in an ivory tower and shouts with a bullhorn, hey, you, you suck. Like, I don't, that's not how I view life. And I certainly, you know, uh, I'm not overly open or over the top about my own personal life about certain things because I don't think a lot of people care. But I would say that I, I grew up a really insecure person and it took me a long time to come to reality with that. And I, I am keenly aware of all of my flaws. And in fact, a lot of people, like I, I really am probably too hard on myself 
You know, like I wish that I could, you know, enjoy certain things in life that either I've accomplished or that I should be enjoying that I really don't do a great job of because I'm always thinking about the next thing. And it made me realize when I watched The Last Dance, like everybody looks at Michael Jordan and how, you know, he can synthesize his anger and turn it into great basketball play. But I told people watching that, I'm like, that must be a miserable existence. Like Tom Brady, for example, has all the money in the world, all the fame in the world. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's got seven Super Bowls. He's got the supermodel wife. And yet you see how passionate he is about winning because he hates losing so much. And that is a miserable existence. But that's what motivates a lot of people. And I'm not saying that I'm as motivated as Michael Jordan, but I would say that I think I harp on the negative about my own life a lot. And I, I just, I don't want people to think that I think that I'm so great or that I think that I'm flawless or that I'm perfect. I want them to know, like, I, I'm really hard on myself. And I, I truly wish, like I go to therapy weekly. You know, a, a lot of people that are in entertainment do that. I, I think it's smart. But I think the thing that I've learned from a lot of that is, you know, sometimes maybe I need to be easier on myself. And then it makes me think maybe I need to be easier on others too. Lamestream Sports, Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner, is brought to the wonderful podcast listeners by Jasper. Oh, you, you've been trying that a million different ways, and it sounds great. And then even at the very end, it cut out a little bit. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know. It, you... I got I got a little. Uh, I got a little uh, post uh, post COVID uh, <laughs> <laughs> chest thing going on here, and that was really hard to do. That was. You okay? You're going to be all right? Yeah, yeah we'll yeah, live. No workman's comp for doing ad reads, okay? That's not how, yeah. this, that's not how this works. <laughs> um, go to Jaspers, everybody, of course, especially for the national championship game. you got the Titans game. you got Preds playing incredible hockey. Um, great, drink, great drink specials, of course, during Preds games, home and road, way cheaper than going to a game. Uh, go there, park for free, and get $3 beers and a $10 smash burger. You can order the Gold Standard Cocktail, which is also a show on the 440 Sports Network. If you'd like to listen to that show with Adam Vingan, um, who also, by the way, uh, is having like a Twitter fight as we're recording this with Jared Stillman. <laughs> so, so, Great. Yeah, yes. Um, Engagement. About what Jared talked about on this show, uh, about <laughs> admitting that he was wrong about Tanner Janot, uh and David Poyle's decision to protect him. Anyway, go to Jasper's. You got Preds games, Titans games, college football national championship this weekend, and then you got playoff games coming up in the next couple of weeks. No better place to go. Than Jasper's, and oh by the way, in case you are concerned, very spacious in there, very spacious. Little not elbow a, room, not a not a tight confined space. So if hypothetically you were concerned about those types of things, lots of space in Jasper's to spread out, stretch your legs, stretch your arms, you know, all that good stuff. All that good stuff. Um, the, the the Predators deal is getting better and better. <laughs> Jasper's I mean, hasn't changed the deal, but it's gotten better. <laughs> Jaspers has not changed the deal, but I mean, like, like a three-two win over the uh, over Vegas here to now lead the Central. Yeah, as we as we're as we're now taping, they're leading the Central. That you can get a when you when you can get that deal for that quality of hockey. Yeah, I mean, it's just hard to beat. It is just hard to beat. I I could not agree more. Go to Jasper's, everybody, where the parking is free and the deals get better every day. <laughs> um, no, it's wonderful. Uh, check them out. By the way, they got the grab and go market as well. So if you're over there on West End, great for 
uh, you know, you got business lunches, you got cocktail hour after work. And of course, all the times you want to go watch sporting events and get out of the house. Uh, it's a great place to go. So go check out Jasper's everybody. Go to Jasper's. There's a, there's a trend here within, within radio to, to essentially podcastify every, everything that you do. I mean, you guys put up yeah. multiple hours of your show every day on demand for people to grab it. Um, and I'm interested in if you think that makes a good podcast versus just making yourself available to, uh, making yourself available to people in this format. I mean, the, like for instance, the podcasts that I, that I go to don't kind of follow what you're talking about, okay. the sort of science of radio versus, uh, you know, the, the, what are you talking about, Steve? What are you talking? <laughs> but 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 uh, but I'm 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 interested. Do you think that's going ultimately be going to be successful for radio as as people start time shifting, as people you know, as people embrace these sort of on demand formats? I don't think it will. And I think news talk and sports talk is the example here. And I, I would say it like this: those are the only two where you react in live time. You know, and, and I'm not knocking a podcast. I'm on a podcast right now. Joe Rogan's podcast is maybe the most influential, you know, podcast in the world. And I don't even listen to it. But I, I think what's crazy is when there's breaking news, there's only one place you can react to it in live time. And that's why news talk is so successful. Um, and, and I think that's kind of where sports talk is right now, which is it's live time, constant reaction. We were on the air yesterday at 345 when Diana Rossini reported that Derrick Henry was going to return to practice and that he's a long shot to play on Sunday. Well, now that literally going back to the fact that we talk about the stars, that now becomes the radio show. And in a podcast, if you taped your podcast at noon and all of a sudden this report comes out that Derrick Henry is, uh, is coming back. Well, now your podcast isn't as important. I, I think the thing about podcasts is the podcast genre is more so long form interviews, which is, you know, we're going to talk to so-and-so today about such and such. And that works. Like when I'm on the beach, you know, I love listening to podcasts. When I'm on a long drive, I love listening to podcasts. And it's all about, you know, my interest. Like I, there's a radio host in Atlanta. I never listen to his radio show because I don't really care that much. But he has these long form interviews with like Braves players from the 90s. And I can't get enough of listening to Matt Chernoff interview Mark Lemke or John Smoltz or <laughs> Leo Mazzoni. Like, and so on a long drive or on like a Saturday relaxing, you know, on the boat or at the beach or something like that, that is, is good for me. But as far as like the constant, you know, right now in live time, I, I think that until you see like self-driving cars so people can watch their phones as they drive, which I'm sure some people watch their phones as they drive now and they shouldn't. <laughs> but until that happens, I think that the, the way radio is, it's not going anywhere. I think I saw a statistic that 93 million Americans listen to radio every single week, that it's by far one of the most consistently consumed medias. So I do think that we've seen the on-demand content shove a lot of other things out, but I don't think you're going to see it shove out live news, live sports, live news talk, live sports talk. So, so where does, so like I'm fascinated with, I don't think Twitter even realized how big of a, of a deal Twitter spaces was going to be, which is, you know, that, that removes the video element from the equation you're talking about. Sure. You got, you guys like almost everybody else is offering a, a sort of a, a live stream, which I will say 
I told that station to do when I was working there six years ago. We should put cameras in that studio. Um, and it is the way you have to do it now. So w- what was the decision and the impetus behind that? I know Caroline's been a big driving force behind a lot of that stuff with her work and background from ESPN. I think it's been wildly successful for, for everybody that's been doing it, especially you guys. Um, how does that all fit into, you know, the future of c- consuming, you know, in the moment live content in a market that is committed to specific, spe- uh, specific topics? See, that is the future. Uh, what I think is crazy is Fox Sports 1, and you can say whatever you want about it, but Fox Sports 1 decided to go take Skip Bayless and Colin Cowherd and build their sports network around those two guys. And it's worked. And I think one of the things that's crazy is Colin Cowherd gives Fox Sports 1 three hours of daily programming every day. Then they do all their digital stuff, which they are all over the place digitally. And I'm not totally sure how they make money off of it. Like, I don't know. I know they make money off of it. I know they make a lot of money off of it. I'm not exactly sure how, but they get a ton of views and a ton of clicks and a ton of everything. Colin Cowherd is a radio host. Now he did TV, you know, in the beginning of his career, but he was a radio host in Portland, Oregon. He was a radio host in Florida. He was a radio host. And what you do is when you're a TV channel and you take a guy doing radio and you throw some cameras up and some graphics and get one or two producers, all of a sudden you've got four or five hours of content that's right there. It's one person. You pay one person or two people and then producers and everything. That's way different than having to have four hour shows to fill that time slot. NFL Live on ESPN, for example. NFL Live, and I think it's a good show, but they have four hosts. They have all these different production elements. All that, if you just took, let's use the Jared and the GM program. If you took Floyd and I and you hired us to do that show, the Jared and the GM program, and you said, okay, I want you guys only talking NFL, we could do four hours of NFL talk a day. And you're only paying two people and you're getting four hours instead of one hour with four people. So I think what's crazy is the audio element is going to continue to drive. All you got to do is throw up some video cameras and it works. And Mike and Mike were incredibly successful for a long time. And honestly, the Get Up program, Greenberg and Friends, it's really the same as Mike and Mike. They just took out one of the mics. And I, I, I think that's something that I, I'm like, man, these people, they, they think it's got to be more complicated, that you need more people or you need a 30-minute show or you need... And I'm like, I think radio, just constant opinion, speculation, you know, all kinds of bull crap. I think that really is kind of the future of television as far as sports is concerned. And I think they haven't completely gotten there yet because the legacy shows like Around the Horn and PTI are so successful and they're not going to ask Michael Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser to do three hours. But I, I do think that that's kind of the future is, I mean, First Take is basically a radio show with three people. It's just on TV. So I think that the cameras inside, it just gives you another element. But I I actually think we look at it as outside in TV to radio, whereas really, I think it's more like Colin Cowherd radio to television. And isn't isn't TV the limiting factor here? Like, like, I mean, physically, your actual TV box or cable box, like your show is available on the radio, but people are going to people are driving in their cars. They're going to have to listen to you at a certain place because that's what radio. That's why radio is popular. Sure. But 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 if I'm at home and I'm working or if I'm shopping or if I'm, you know, doing whatever, the idea that I can take your show and create video content, but it doesn't have to be put on the television set specifically. To me, that's like 
that's where you're getting, you know, at, you're, I, I can listen and watch Jared and the GM at 8 a.m. if I want to. Yes. I think the thing about that, Adam Lefko, who's now doing the Tuesday nights on TNT, he was a TV guy in Louisville when I was a radio guy there. And he got hired by Bleacher Report before ultimately the TNT job. And I remember him telling me, this was at the press conference after Charlie Strong had left to go to Texas. And Lefko was going to be in Louisville for like another week. And then he was moving to New York to go work for Bleacher Report. And he takes out his iPhone and he goes, this is the future of how people are going to watch TV. And I was like, I guess that kind of makes sense. He's like, no, but like, that's the future. Videos on your phone, podcasts on your phone, TV on your phone, like that's the future. And I do think there's a little bit of an element here, which is, you know, back in the day, everybody rather played Nintendo than the Game Boy because Game Boy was incredibly limited. Well, now your cell phone is not limited. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. When I, when I, you brought up Fox, you know, the fact that they cut and they use, you know, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and you get these little, you know, here's three minutes of Colin Cowherd railing on Baker Mayfield. Here's four minutes of Shannon Sharp explaining why LeBron James missing four shots at the end of the game still proves that LeBron is better than Michael Jordan. Like, <laughs> and those things get unbelievable amounts of views. And so obviously Fox has realized that they're going beyond linear television. And I, I, I say this because I think that a good radio host can be a good TV host. I don't think necessarily a good TV host can for sure be a good radio host. So I, I do wonder, you know, I feel like talk radio is not going extinct, but there's not as much of a value placed on talent in talk radio anymore. And I think that's crazy because I think if you're a good talk radio talent, you can be a great television talent. And those clips that go viral will be there. And yet for some reason, a lot of executives don't want to go that route. Instead, they want to put, you know, Keyshawn Johnson on the radio or, or, or you know, guys that have some TV sense. That, and, and I'm just not sure that that's the right thing, but I'm not a TV executive either. Do you think the, do you think the Outkick 360 guys are going to ultimately have success kind of in this sort of multi-format? I mean, I, I think the Outkick 360 guys are, I, I don't know what their expectations were when they got into this, but I mean, like my radio show does about 4,000 views on Twitter a day and theirs is doing 30,000. So like, I think they're having some success. Again, I, when I brought up the, the whole digital numbers and I know they're making money off of it, I don't know how they're making money off of it. I think Outkick 360 is a, is a great example of, I'm not exactly sure how they make money, but I'm guessing they make money for the amount of money that those guys got paid to do that. So I do think like there is potential there. I mean, I think that ultimately talent, as long as you're talented, ultimately people will come see you. I remember when Skip Bayless went to Fox Sports 1 and Colin Coward went to Fox Sports 1 and everybody said, the ratings at Fox Sports 1 are so terrible. Skip Bayless, it's a failure. It's a They paid Skip Bayless $6 million a year. They're still paying him $6 million a year. They've given him two new contracts. And I think most people know where Fox Sports 1 is now. So I, I do think ultimately it can work. I can't tell you why I think it's going to work or how they are going to be able to make money off of it because I don't sell it. But I, I do think that, I don't think that is the future. I do think that radio still matters right now. I still think if you can get on television, that still matters right now. But I do think that as time progresses, maybe in 20 years, it won't matter. The, the, it's interesting that you, that you use, that you use Bayless is there a ceiling to being hated? I mean, because that's what that's what the ceiling is on 
on what Bayless can do. I fucking hate listening to him. <laughs> I hate. I, I. I can't stand him. I think he's. I, I think he is. I, I think he is. He is intentionally disingenuous in 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 some of the stuff that he does, and the, the, that means that people like me are never ever going to regularly tune into that because he has that reputation. I mean, he. That's that six. I guess what I'm saying is that $6 million contract is never going to be a $12 million contract because there's not necessarily there's, there's, there's a governor on what, on what that can bring in. I mean, I think maybe, but I, I would argue that I think being hated can, if you are able to kind of carry that as your brand, like if Skip Bayless were to go to market, Skip Bayless would probably make more than 6 million bucks. Like ESPN plus would be all over it. Like, I mean, Skip Bayless would make a lot of money. And I'll give you this example. Like most presidential candidates have been like fairly average when it came to likability, whether they were likable or unlikable, they almost netted around zero, right? I think I read a UCLA study that was like, you know, most presidential candidates have a favorability rating around zero, which is- It's why, that, they, get, it's why they get elected. Sure, except that the two most hated candidates of all time, and again, you could say whatever you want about it, but the two most hated candidates of all time were Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And by a long shot, they were the two most hated candidates of all time. Like it's, it's unbelievable. Most people like Mitt Romney, for example, I think was like minus one or John Kerry was like minus one and a half or something like that. Like it's a, so whatever. And then you got these, and I mean, you have to wonder, like, is there any stopping like that now that most of the politicians out there in America that are trying to jump on television on both sides of the aisle are absolutely despised by half the country. And even some people in their own parties don't like some of these people. And so to answer your question, like, I don't know if there is a governor on being hated as far as how much that matters. I don't try personally to be hated, but I also don't try to be liked. Like, I just kind of say whatever I think, and then I, I go from it, you know, I go with it from that. I think Skip Bayless is probably the same way, but he probably knows that a lot of people don't like him. But there are a lot of people that do like Skip Bayless, too. And I still think if he went to market, I think he'd make more than six million bucks a year. This, I think this is one of the most interesting conversations in our entire culture right now. And, and you mentioned politics, but certainly in sports sure. as well. Uh, you know, that's good for Skip Bayless to make that amount of money. And first of all, I think there's a huge difference between you and Skip. I think you're, you're genuine with the, your, your opinions. And I, I, I agree with Steve. I think he fabricates them for the sake of engagement. And, but that's great for Skip. That's not good for sports fans. That's not good for critical thinking. That's not good for our general health and well-being. There's medical, yeah, there's, there's medical studies that indicate when the negative algorithms increase vitriol on your phone, like that, that living that at that heightened level of agitation is not good for people in general. Now, it doesn't mean we shouldn't at the sports bar or listening to your show, like yell about whether or not Ryan Tannehill is good enough to win the Super Bowl. Like that's part of being a sports fan. That's part of the fun of it. But while that is great for Skip Bayless's bank account, it is not good for everyone else in the world. <laughs> so. I'll give you an example of this. So I think cable news and the echo chambers that come of it on both sides are really, really bad for society. Like, I think the, because it's turned kind of like political beliefs into almost like sports fandom. It's like my team versus your team. Yeah. But 
there are issues that I vote on that uh, that like the party that I would vote for or whatever that they don't necessarily you know correlate with. Like just because somebody has a certain feeling about abortion doesn't mean that necessarily their feeling on taxes are going to be the same. And yet we've turned that into, you know, my team thinks this. And it's like, what? Like, it's not what your team thinks. It should be what you think. But People are complicated. It, yes, but it's become so, you know, red and blue. And it's become so like, if you're not for it, you're against it. And, and I, I think it's really bad for society in general. And I think everything is kind of like that. And I, I hate that. But I don't see, I don't foresee it changing anytime soon. In fact, I only see it getting worse. What's happening is people realize that the louder they are, that the more attention, the more money, the more fame that they get, the more power that they get. So I, I don't think that's going to change. I, I would agree with you. I mean, I think there are things that people care about today or people argue about today that, I mean, I, I don't ever remember. I, I remember when I, I remember when uh, the 2008 election, I was a freshman in college. And I remember like talking about it during, I worked with the women's basketball team and one of the players wanted to go vote. And, uh, and they were talking about, well, I want to vote for so-and-so, but somebody else on the team was like, well, I want to vote for the other person. And it was, there was nothing to it. It was like, okay, <laughs> like, all right. So what are we doing with this layup drill? Now I feel like it's, you want to vote for the other person? I hate you. And sports is kind of becoming like that a little bit too. COVID has kind of escalated I think a lot of things really quickly, especially in sports, because you got people that are like, who cares if you need to be vaccinated to play sports? And it's like, look, dude, I'm telling you what the rules are. Like, you can get mad at the rules, but like, these are the rules. These are what the NFL said the rules are. Well, I think the rules are bad. Okay. Well, I think the rule where the guy fumbles and the ball goes out of the back of the end zone and the other team gets it to the 20 yard line, stupid. But I, I don't like, those are the rules. But it's almost like it's, it's taken the anger to an entirely different level. And I really hate that. Like, I, I hate the idea that, like, I plan on being a dad. And I hate the idea that, like, my kids will grow up in, like, a more politically divided society than I grew up in. Where, like, when I grew up, like, everybody made jokes about Bill Clinton. Like, everybody, even people that voted for Bill Clinton made jokes about Bill Clinton. And now it's like, Oh my God, if you say something about the other guy, it's just the end of the world and it drives me crazy. And I think, you know, to the point that, that you were bringing up is I, I think it probably makes us angrier as a society and, and nobody wants to be more angry, do they? Well, no. Uh, well, some people do. Um, let's, there's about, there's about 18% that do. Um, I will say this, Jared, and this, I'll give you tons of credit for this because it's the way I am. It's the way I operate. And to your point about you and I have done radio segments where we completely disagree, like at its core about an issue, we have yelled at each other. And when the light goes off, we're just sitting there friends again. So like, I, I, I think that to your point about how you have to like, it, there's, it's not, it doesn't always end in hate. There are still tons of people out there that can just disagree with somebody and still be friends. And I think you do that on the air very, very well. I've done that specifically with you. You've done that with me. Um, so I, I, I still have hope. I still have hope that people can just not take stuff so seriously. <laughs> I think it's about how you compartmentalize it. So for example, I have people that'll be like, you idiot. I hate you. I'm like, why? Because I think that like somebody else could play quarterback better than Tannehill. Like, that's why you hate me. Like that, that bothers you so much that you hate somebody over that. Like, I don't, I don't get that. I don't, I don't understand it. 
You know, it'd be one thing if like I had an opinion that got people killed. You know, if I was like, you know what? I think texting and driving is safe. Like then I would understand you being like, man, I hate this guy. Getting people killed. He's got an influential radio show. He's telling people to text and drive. Sitting here saying like, you know, I think that if they give the coach of the year award to Zach Taylor of Cincinnati, it's not the end of the world. I hate you. What? Like, I don't get it. But I, I guess I just understood that it kind of comes with the turf. I think it's like, I'm like a wrestling heel or something. And I, for some people, and I, I guess I just am okay with it. But I do think to your point, like we argue about a lot of things and then the light goes off, but it doesn't mean that I don't like you. I mean, you gave me advice when I bought my first house. Ultimately, I thought it was pretty bad advice. I didn't take it. And I'm kind of <laughs> glad I didn't take it. But that doesn't mean that I don't like you. What like, was I just the... didn't advice on the house. What was the advice? I, uh, so I bought my first house and I bought it in Green Hills. And you pulled up the map. And you were like, it was the map, it was the map of Nashville home values. And you were like, <laughs> all right, you see where it's, you were almost like a weather person. You know, it was like, you see where it's dark red right here? This is, it was like North Nashville and East Nashville. And you were like, see where it's dark red right here? These property values are increasing by 50 and 60%. You want to live in Green Hills. That's only increasing by 30%. So you <laughs> should want to buy your first house in North Nashville or East Nashville. And I remember looking at you and being like, and no disrespect to North Nashville or East Nashville, but like, I don't want to live there. Like, I want to live in Green Hills. I, I grew up in Westmead. Like, that's close to where I'm like from and do and whatever. And I just remember listening to your advice and I was like, <laughs> okay, but if a home in Green Hills is X amount of dollars and it increases by 30%, that's more money than if a home in East Nashville at the time is worth X amount of dollars and it increases by 50%. I got and it. so I, I let it. you go. I let you go on your, your whole, like, literally, it was like a dissertation. Oh, and stop I, it. I let you go on that. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And then I did none of your advice. And I'm glad I didn't because the home value of the home I bought in Green Hills. Is I was like, going to say 30, 30% still pretty good. So yes, <laughs> Jared, thank you so much, man. Always a pleasure. Uh, I appreciate you coming on and teaching people about radio and uh, we'll talk soon, man. Enjoy the Titans run. Everybody tune in. Of course, uh, Stillman and company, you and Caroline are doing a great job. One Oh two fives in the afternoon, every single day, Monday through Friday, two to six and all over the Twitter's and all over the Twitches and the YouTubes and all over the digital phone space as well. Thank you, Jared. We appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on again. That was Jared Stillman, and we'll get into some college football TV ratings here uh, in just a second, Steve. But I do want to, I, I think, and I told this story the last time he was on, but but he's done, he's sort of gone out of his way to, you know, look out for me in some some sort of critical moments um, when I was dealing with some family stuff, when we were down at SEC Media Days, if you want to hear the story, you can go back and listen to the other podcast. But I think he did a brilliant job when when Floyd passed of humanizing the entire situation. Um, and I, I think there's more, you know, even in the interview t today, Steve. I think that he he sort of there, I don't want to say he holds back, um, but he definitely there's Radio Stillman. There's non-radio Stillman. He's very authentic with his opinions. So it's, 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 I don't, I'm not suggesting that there's two different people, um, but there is another side of him that he does not put out on the air very often. And I think that's what he was explaining about his insecurities. So I just, he's, he's a really good dude. And I don't think uh, when you listen to his show that that's the first thing you, you think of. Well, it's interesting because I have, uh, I, I, I've, I've talked to several people here sort of in market who, who think that that version of Stillman is, is like who Stillman is. And it's and it's not, and it's it's really it's really interesting 
when when, when there's 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 sort of a, a, a disconnect between a guy who has a, a guy who who is very opinionated uh, and and pushes those opinions versus uh, I mean the, the stillman we've been talking to for the last hour who's very thoughtful about uh, about any number of topics and, and sort of you know we we wanted to talk about about science and radio but but you know he's just a very thoughtful guy and that doesn't that doesn't always that's not always the impression that you walk away with when you listen to him afternoons and and we're not, and here's the other thing it's a very because he's not disingenuous like he it is it like his no opinion, not at all and this is what makes him really really truly talented actually in, in all of this conversation which is the ability to sort of have your own private world where you exist and this public world, but they're, but, they're, but it's genuine. Like he, he, he's just that good at executing what radio is, is sort of designed to create. And it, he is authentic and genuine with what he thinks and feels and what he says on the air. Again, I think he's wrong way more than he admitted, <laughs> but, but, but I, but, but the way he does it is what makes him so talented. And that doesn't mean he's disingenuous. It's just different than, than sort of, Again, I think that the way he talks and the way he acts and the way he treats people, he's he is very good person to people and treats people very, very well. And that's sort of not how you do. And I, I said this in the interview with him. We've argued about a million things on the air and gotten real heated about stuff. But then the light goes off and we go right back to being friends again. So I, I think that's what makes him very, very talented and very, very good at what, what he does. One other thing that came in this interview that that I think was interesting because we were talking about the Outkick 360 guys, and, and this gets back into sort of measurement. You know, we were having we 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 talked at the top of the show about kind of radio ratings and sort of kind of how they how they define things. I mean, people are people are moving to different metrics, and I, I thought it was really interesting that he said, you know, look, we're only getting about four thousand streams on on uh, for our show on 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 Twitter. You know, the Outkick guys have forty thousand. And, and that's how they're developing. That's how they're developing audience. And, and I, I think that that's just one more way that terrestrial radio is sort of being blown up in any number of ways of like trying to seek audience. Because you know we're not a we're not a country where everybody's in their car anymore. We're not a we're not a country where everybody is is obsessively tuning in in drive time. Things are shifting. Things are people are people are, are accessing in different ways, namely by their phone. And, but but and the real time he's right about the real time interaction, though. There, there right. is always going to be a desire for a big story that has happened, a big game that that goes one way or the other. And people want to talk to each other about it in real time. And that is always going to be a part of local. So I don't think local radio ever goes anywhere. It may change how it's being distributed, but I don't think it ever goes anywhere because you well, can, people want to interact. They want to interact in real time. And, and you know he was bringing up the news the, the news talk piece of this. I think it's a little bit different beast because that's been so cannibalized by partisan operations. Yeah, mostly on the right, but sometimes on the left because they have leaned into what sports talk has leaned into, which is hammering a point of view or hammering embrace, embrace uh, debate. Yeah, embracing debate, and it's you know, because because that's that they know that's where that minimum number of listeners is. And you know, news talk is broken. There is, there is no, there, there's no, there, there's no good news talk where you can that you can find that is does not just like ragingly partisan. And 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 it's that that's a shame because there's a lot of interesting stuff out there, uh, a lot of interesting topics, a lot of interesting people, and, and I think it's why one reason why I know it's certainly true in my part uh, on my part I have shifted almost completely to podcasts for those for that kind of talk. 
because I can find things that are in my th- th- things that interest me, but also I can sort of right. I would rather gouge my eyes out than listening to terrestrial you know political talk radio on a regular basis. <laughs> are Are you suggesting that uh, Facebook is perhaps maybe not? a wing of the Antifa far left extremist party that is silencing conservatives. I mean, who knows when, when nine People of the top, saying when nine of the top 10 articles on Facebook every single day are by a Nashvilleian. Um, all right. So he's not a Nashvilleian. He lives in Florida. Oh, he does. He yeah, just has ben a house. Shapiro lives in, ben Shapiro lives in Florida. He's, he comes, he comes to Nashville to like oh, okay. put a cowboy hat on and have his, you know, have, you know, selfies taken on. on I did not know that. The news operation is here. I mean, like, like I think their offices are here, but he's living in Florida. From you learn, from you learn something new every day when you listen to Lamestream Sports. Now, let's talk about TV ratings. No recommendations today on the show because I want to talk about this. I want to talk about TV ratings for college football games. The national championship games coming up to SEC teams. I expect it to be a fairly large number in the southeast. You know, the traditional college football markets: Atlanta, Charlotte, Birmingham, Nashville. I expect it to do pretty well, um, but let's take a look at what happened on Friday evening. Okay, um, so so I, so I so I want to say something here real quick. Go for so it. So I I tweeted this out and got pilloried for it on Friday. I, I tweeted out something to the effect of I cannot imagine how shitty the ratings for a national for a national championship game between Alabama and Georgia are going to be, and I could hear people turn, turning off in like the second halves of these. Uh, of these Georgia and, and Alabama games, which ended up being, you know, not close affairs. And people were just, were just coming at me. Part of it was because some people retweeted me into some fairly virulent college football streams. Cool. Thanks Godfrey. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but part of it is, you know, th- these people were just like, Oh, you don't want to see the best teams. You don't want to No, I do want to see the best teams. There's no denying that Alabama and Georgia are the best teams doesn't mean that everybody in the world wants to watch that right. like some like offensive line coach from from down in down in florida was just like man why don't you turn on the hallmark channel then i'm like look dude don't get mad at me because i'm telling you that people are going to turn this shit off because they don't want to watch they don't they don't want to watch blowouts and they don't want to watch alabama georgia well they they did here so there's a lot of this is where i think that what happens on monday night is going to be fascinating to watch because the alabama georgia game was the number two rated national championship game over the last 12 years however the two games on friday nationally we'll, we'll get to what they did in nashville and what they did nationally nationally uh, bama cincinnati pulled a 16.1 million people and a 16.5 million people those are the second and third worst semifinal ratings of the entire eight years of the playoff so just nationally two blowouts on new year's eve we expected it we told you this was going to happen and that is what happened in tennis that's why they're trying to get this stuff off of new year's eve because they you know i think you had the line last week you can't compete with everybody else in the world yes the holiday i mean holiday parties and new year's eve watching whatever else you can't you you you're not going to beat your wives your kids and your friends and your parents all at the same exactly right it's not going to happen um and they didn't now in this in the city of nashville alabama cincinnati pulled a 17.3 georgia and michigan pulled a 16.5 the tennessee purdue bowl game pulled a 14.3 which of course happened on thursday at like two (laughs) o'clock so so talk about a premier (laughs) television window um just for reference the dolphins titans game one of the better rated titans games of the season a 29.5 so the two playoff games on friday basically more than a hundred thousand people fewer watch those championship games than watch just one singular uh titans game now the highest rated college football game in Nashville all season 
was the SEC title game, 21.0 Alabama-Georgia. So it will be interesting to see what Georgia-Alabama does in Nashville on Monday night, where I think it will do a very good number. Nationally, I think there are major questions. Um, the number one highest-rated regular season game was Georgia-Tennessee. Again, Tennessee was kind of close in the first half, right? Two drives, they scored 17 right. points. They scored 17 points on Georgia, but that was a 41-17 game. 18.2 was the highest-rated regular season college football game in Nashville. That is a higher number for Georgia-Tennessee than for both of the two playoff games on Friday afternoon. Woof. Woof. The other, the other thing, too, is, you know, so we're going to have this Alabama-Georgia rematch in the final. This is the other thing that was kind of killing me. Again, Twitter's not real life. I, I'm, I'm oversubscribed <laughs> here. But, but people are adding me going, going well, you know, the Alabama-Georgia game was the second highest, you know, second highest. Or, uh, sounds like you're doing an impersonation ever. of me, by the way, because <laughs> uh. I just said that on the show. <laughs> and, it's, and that's absolutely true. But there are factors involved there. That, that just don't ring true here again. A, that game was not a rematch. And I think that I think that's very important okay. in in an era that we know people are fatigued of seeing the same teams over and over again. Seeing a game that we saw a month ago holds less interest than it, that, it was that, it was that, also Georgia's first time in the championship game. So a new team. Right. It was, it was a new team for the first time in the championship game in like 30 years. Right. Since also the fresh era. off, also fresh off an overtime game that was the highest-rated semifinal since the first year of the playoff when they beat Baker Mayfield in Oklahoma in double overtime. So you had right. a build-up there between the two. You also had Nick Saban do arguably the most insane thing any football coach has ever done in any championship setting ever, which is pull bench, your quarterback, which is bench your starting quarterback who's been an SEC Player of the Year and national champion, benched him for the freshman who then goes on to throw an overtime game-winning touchdown pass. So I agree there's a lot of extenuating circumstances that led to that rating being high. Here's what I would say. Nashville, the number is going to be great. It's going to be huge in the South. If it is a bad game, it is going to be like 2011 when Alabama was up 21 to nothing, basically, for the vast majority of that game, which was also a rematch, and it led to the playoff. If, if it is a close game, people are definitely still going to watch. So I, I still think if it's close and dramatic, it doesn't matter if it's NBA basketball, college football, rematches or not, people will tune in because bet, because great drama is still what wins TV ratings ahead of everything else. But if it's a bad game, I think you're going to see a really bad number. So Well, and I think I think there's other one other kind of side effect of this, which is that if if that ends up being a bad number, we know from from the seating that there was some manipulation going on here, one through four. I, I think that you might, I, I think what they may do is try to figure out a way to, to put that in a semifinal and not a final so that you could guarantee a different, you could, you could guarantee a different person. Don't buy the, no chance. I don't agree with you on this. The conspiracy theory of like manipulation. It's not a conspiracy Georgia, theory. Georgia belonged at two, not three. So if you want to argue that they manipulated the matchup, Georgia belonged at two, not three. So they actually were too low, in my opinion, whereas some conspiracy theorists that may also host other podcasts on this network, who I also disagree with, I, Cincinnati was belonged at four, Georgia belonged at two. So I don't want to hear that manipulation stuff. A rematch put, in the put, first round would have been bad, too. Put the, put the non-conference champion at four. That, that that's an, that's an easy that's an easy rationale. You have Alabama, Georgia as a rematch in the semi, and then you don't you don't have a repeat in the final. But that's not their job. None of that is their job. Their job is to rank them in order. 
That's their job. It doesn't matter. It's absolutely. I'm going to argue with you on this. I'm going to argue with you. It is absolutely their job to rank the teams one through four by best. And Georgia was better than Cincinnati this year. So they belonged ahead of them, period. End of discussion. They were better than Michigan. They belonged at two. They should have been at two. They were actually underrated, not overvalued. Can we can we stop this debate now, please? Uh, that's fine. You're wrong. All right. That's fine. <laughs> All right. Here's the hour-by-hour hour ratings in Nashville for the Georgia-Michigan game. You ready? Let's go. Basically, start of the game, 17. Uh, start of the second half, 16.4. So basically, the first half, about the same, right? Second half... It goes from a six at from eight at eight thirty. It's a sixteen point three, which is about the start of the second half. At nine, it's a fifteen point two. At t- at nine thirty, it's a thirteen point five. And Here we at go. ten, it is a six point nine. Basic, basically, two thirds of the audience did not watch the end of the game because they were going out to do things on New Year's Eve, like everyone does in America. <laughs> also, at ten thirty, I was getting into bed. <laughs> yeah. Because you're old and you don't want to be out on amateur hour. <laughs> and I had to be up super early. But there, there's your six. You asked last week. You said, I want to know what the last hour is going to be. And basically, the last hour went from a 15 to a 7 in the wow. final hour. So there you have it, folks. Thanks. Uh, of course, all these ratings for Nashville all season long. Special thanks to Mark Bend of News Channel 5. Each, each one of those points, of course, is worth about um, 11,000 TV homes. So when you talk about going from a 13 or a 14 or a 15 to a seven, you're talking about almost a hundred thousand homes turning the game off. That's bad for business. <laughs> what were they flipping to? They're flipping to Ryan Seacrest. No, no. They're I think they're turning, to... I, I think you're turning it off altogether and going out. Yeah. That's, that's what I would guess. Cause that's right around the time you start going, you know, about, about eight 30, you get, you got your dress on and your weird, stupid hat and you're, you know, you buy a bottle of bubbly and you go out to amateur hour. Right. What happens? Right. Right. Don't go out to amateur hour. All right. Anything else? Um, I, I I cannot wait to see what the number is for uh, the national championship. I, I'm I'm legitimately fascinated by yeah. this. I mean, I mean, I hope it's a close game. I hope you know. I hope yep. it yep. sort of pulls a decent number. I don't have any. I don't have any great hope for that. But you know, if it's we'll bad, see. if it's bad, just like 2011, it will expedite expansion of the playoff. That's what will happen. Thank God, because the only thing that will change college football is money as is the case with everything in the world. Go to Jasper's, by the way. Spend some money at Jasper's because the parking is free, the food is amazing, and it's a great place to watch Preds games and Titans games, playoff games, college football championship games, all the games you ever want to watch. Jasper's is a great place to do it. Steve Cavendish, where can people find you? They can find me on the socials, uh, on Twitter or Instagram, if you really want to see pictures of, like, dogs and food, uh, at Scavendish. Uh, Braden, where can people find you on the socials? Outside in the snow, because the snow is wonderful and beautiful and amazing. Embrace it's, so, it's so damn pretty. Embrace it while it's here, because we only get it a couple times a year, and it's wonderful. So I'll be outside posting photos on my Twitter account, at Braden Gall, at Braden D. Gall on Instagram, of all the beautiful snow. There'll be a picture of the dog and my kids. It'll be great. Go outside and enjoy yourselves. Uh, thank you guys all for listening. Check out the YouTube page while you're outside, by the way. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. This has been Lame Stream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network.